Spencer all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! 3-0! Snake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go. Michael Smith. Into what he's Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Together, a Brighton Hove Albion podcast. I hope you're well uh, in your morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, whether you're in the car, at home, uh, or at work. I hope you are having a good day. Um, it's a good week coming up for me because uh, over here it's Thanksgiving, um, which means loads of days off and not doing much at all. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, um, regardless of the result that we uh, we watched this weekend. Um, you know, it was... We're now halfway through what I said uh, three odd weeks ago um, will be our toughest run um, by far under Graham Potter. Um, obviously, there's another run similar to this uh, towards the end of the season, but this one um, I think was always going to be the toughest. It was going to be a a set of games, four games that were going to uh, both demoralize um, and tactically uh, educate Graham Potter as to how dangerous the Premier League can be. Um, thankfully, uh, despite the amount of people that I've seen online uh, cite that he may be naive, um, I think that the game yesterday showed that he, he isn't as naive as he looks um, because he, he adapted pretty quickly um, and pretty well to the hammering that we got at Manchester United to set themselves up against Leicester yesterday. Um so we went into this one uh, with three home wins back to back. That was the first time uh, in two years since our run under Chris Hutton early on where we got those three wins at home, um, including Manchester United. Uh, this was also Dale Stevens's uh, 200th appearance for the club. Um, not many people you see get to the 200 club anymore at any club. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a great record for him to get. Um, despite the the pros and cons of playing Dale Stevens, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that he's earned 200 place, uh, plays uh, for the team. So fair play to Dale Stevens. Um, and, you know, I think that this time our home record uh, is equally as impressive as our first season in the Premier League. Um, we've already taken out some decent sides. We've got some real decent scalps uh, Everton, Spurs, you know, taking taking apart Norwich when they were desperately in need of a comeback. Um, we never really gave them a chance. Uh, however, we we really had a very different kettle of fish this weekend um, against a monstrous Leicester side uh, that are that are absolutely well on their way to Champions League football next season. They are also a side that we haven't had the best luck against since being in the Premier League. Uh, we've had one draw and three losses so far in our Premier League history against Leicester. Um, for those long-term fans, I feel like I remember a lot better times um, against Leicester in League One and the Championship. Uh, not so much now. Um, not only that, but Leicester have the best defence in the league as well prior to going into the game yesterday. Uh, they've only conceded eight all season and they didn't concede any more yesterday either. It was always going to be a tough test. Um, Brendan Rodgers is a fantastic manager. Um, and not only that, but he's got Jamie Vardy back to his best. Um, it almost seems cheap in the way that he did it, right? He's just set up with a 4-1-4-1 formation and just kind of said, here you go, Jamie. Uh, this is this is what you've liked to do for the last 10 years of your career. Go ahead and carry on. Um, it's almost like a cheat code has been put in because I'm not sure why previous managers strayed away from what made Vardy his best. Um, but he, he really is a great player. Um, and I hope that Southgate takes a look at that and decides to you know, implement some kind of tactic for him to come into the England squad because he's not getting any younger and he's probably got the Euro 2020s in him and that'll be it. So maybe, maybe not. Um, but, you know, this is this is a Leicester side that are no joke. Um, but they're our only home game of the four 
And so I think it's only sensible to think that they're the ones that we had to try and get a point from, if anything, uh, in this run of four. Um, and, you know, the stats uh, show that we we really were dominated from the outset. Um, the only one we pretty much win was the possession battle. Um, we had 53.3% possession over the course of the game. Uh but, you know, the rest of it, not so much. Um, we had seven shots, zero on target compared to their 19. Uh, they had nine shots on target. That's more shots on target than we had shots at all. Um, they started off at 100 mile an hour. Um, we did well to keep them scoring against, scoring against us in the opening 20 minutes. Um, I'm sure you'll agree if you watched it. Uh, they came out really hard. Uh, I mean, just to show you just how dominant they were in that open 20 minutes uh, they had five shots 62 percent possession in uh, they hit the woodwork um, and they had a real close a close chance from a corner as well um, and you know it also goes to show that we we continue to have this knack of starting slow uh, post international break so thank god this is the last international break in a while um, it's it's something that i really hate i hate the international break so much um, because we've just been given football back in August, and it feels like we never really get going until Christmas. It's a stop-start affair. Um, so thank God we're back. Uh, 84% pass accuracy to Leicester's 82%. Um, Leicester only attempted 93 passes in our final third compared to our 151, uh, and they only played 100. Uh, they only played 64 successful passes um, in our final third compared to our 111. That just, you know, it just goes to show that Brendan Rodgers has them playing that exact counter-attacking, clear-cut, sucker-punch football um, that they won the title with. Uh, you know, they scored twice. They had uh, 19 shots, 9 on target, and they only had 64 successful passes in our final third. Um, that is a clinical, hard-hit inside. Um, you know, we, we did hold the ball well. Uh, post post 20 minutes in um, and Leicester employed the kind of tactics like I said you've seen them play since they won the title um, ultimately though uh, barring our possession and our pass percentage they dominated the game against us yesterday uh, everywhere else on the pitch like I said the shots nine dribbles nine successful dribbles to our six uh, they won the, the aerial duel um, 11 to 9 uh, they had 15 successful tackles compared to our 11 uh, and they even had seven corners compared to our six. Um, and, you know, their corners were far more dangerous than ours. Uh, we had the one clear-cut chance that really should have been a shot on target at the very least, if not a goal from Shane Duffy, um, when he had that clear open header in the middle of the six-yard box uh, and put it over the bar. Um, he got it all wrong. Um, and, you know, there's, there was a couple of shots there that will register as uh, off-target, but they really should have done better. Um, and probably the worst stat of all was uh, the fouls committed. We committed nine fouls to their one. Um, and with six of our fouls coming in our own half, uh, you know, with, with Madison and Chilwell um, capable of what they are comp capable of, uh, we've essentially provided them six opportunities for a scoring chance due to our own fouling. Um, and, you know, a couple of them, that Webster one in particular, when uh, Perez was breaking away, was lucky not to be a red card. Um, because I'm not sure Dan Byrne had that covered like they think he did. Um, which also goes to echo that uh, Mike Dean was, was not a very good referee. So we have a couple of match events to go through. Uh, sometimes we don't, this time we definitely do, um, that are worth talking about outside of the, the stats and the result. Um, one is the penalty claim against Neil Mopai. So the ball's crossed in. Uh, I believe it was Soyuncu that uh, was challenging for the ball with Mopai. Um, there was very little to no contact on the ball from the centre half from Leicester. Uh, several replays showed it. Um, one of them looked like he may have got a like a graze of it before taking out the Mopai. Um, the rest of them looked like he missed it altogether and just took the man. Um, to me, it's a penalty, uh, but I think Mopai made too much of it, so I can see why it wasn't. Um, I think on paper it's a penalty. I think he's not touched the ball um, in multiple angles. It's not conclusive that he did, um, but it's definitely conclusive that he's took the man and uh, Mopai was going to get to the ball first if he didn't. So I would say that 
that's that's a foul uh, and the books um but with the way mopai went down and the way he threw himself around like he'd just been shot i can also see why it wasn't given um because mike dean is the sort of referee that doesn't like somebody else trying to steal the show so um i'm not surprised it wasn't a penalty uh and then of course the second incident which was their penalty um and i tweeted about it yesterday uh it's worth noting that three weeks ago our penalty versus everton um has been blasted across the press that it was a bad decision it was the wrong decision it wasn't a foul Connolly got a penalty that he should never have had everton are hard done by terrible decision um a stamp on the foot you know it's not it's not a penalty it was accidental job done um this week adam webster i believe it was i think that gave away the penalty um had the exact same situation uh, the the reason um, the player went down was because Matt, was because Webster uh, caught his foot totally accidental. Um, to me, it's a foul, uh, but according to the Premier League and according to VAR, it's not due to the Connolly one just three weeks ago. So why was that given as a penalty then? Um, you know, it's it's tough to in any way, shape, or form back the idea of a VAR in this format. Um, how is it that referees, that if the referees are the ones in the room making the call and they have those biases? Um, and it's also worth talking about the, the fact that they have released those issues. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago or maybe even at the beginning of last week, um, the Premier League released an article saying that VAR have gotten four decisions wrong uh, that they have interfered in and they have got them wrong. One of them was Aaron Connolly's penalty. Um, the question has to be asked whether there's a, like a, an unconscious bias now um, against those four clubs that are being perceived to have had a good decision given against them when they should never have had it. Um, is it that, you know, when Mopai goes down, is Dean in the back of his head thinking Brighton have already had a dodgy decision um, given for them according to the Premier League? I don't want to add to that, so let's just wave it on. And then vice versa for the penalty against us too um i thought dean had a terrible game yesterday uh i thought it was a shame because of late he has been okay compared to the usual performances uh so to see him come back with a proper vengeance was disappointing to say the least um and then finally to talk about their goals before we get into the player by player piece um their goals were really naive um the penalty was controversial to say the least uh the retake was even more so um, the less said about it, the better, I think. Um, but the first one was uh, Leicester City 101. Um, we played a corner in. The corner went wrong. They broke on the break, absolutely destroyed us. We had nobody back, and they scored. It was the simplest goal in history. It was a goal that you saw maybe 20 times in the champ in the title-winning season. Um, Potter was naive. Uh, the players were stupid not to have at least had one player back. Um, ridiculous to concede a goal like that against a team that are so obviously going to play that kind of tactic. Um, the less said about it, the better. Uh, but I think it's worth noting that it was it was a terrible decision. Um, but I thought Potter got a lot right today as well. You know, three at the back is clearly the way to go compared. Um, and taking a look at those players on an individual basis, um, it's tough to earmark any outstanding performances yesterday, you know. Uh, I have kind of two men of the matches, um, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I was glad to see Moy back in, um, but also very concerned uh, at the lack of Pascal Gross on the pitch. He didn't even come on late. Um, thought it was a bizarre decision when he's so excellent and has done so well. Uh, either he's got a knock or something has happened, because I don't get it. Um, another interesting statistic, we have not won a game uh, where Pascal Gross has not played yet. Um, so, you know... We depend on him a lot without realizing it. Um, however, it was good to see that Moy was the main playmaker yesterday with three key passes. Uh, best pass accuracy for those who played the full 90 minutes too, not including substitutes, 87.8%. Uh, um, unfortunately, I thought Solly March was pretty poor today. I was glad to see him back um, because I think he uh, was probably one of our best players at that left wing back role before he got hurt. Uh, and today he had an awful lot of the ball and didn't do much with it at all. Um, a real far cry from the player that got hurt a while ago. 
Um, and Potter said as such that, you know, he's hoping he can refine his form and continue to grow on that uh, because he has a lot of talent to give. Um, he's just not doing it right now. Uh, like I said, we looked a lot better with three at the back with him and Montoya playing white, uh, wing backs. Um, but, you know, Solly needs work. Um, only 76% pass accuracy, no attacking contribution at all. There is not a single number in his attacking contributions um, and provided very little at the back too. Uh, with Byrne doing most of the defensive work on the left-hand side of the defence. Um, if his job yesterday uh, from Potter was to mark Pereira out of the game, um, he played a 10 out of 10 performance. Uh, but if it was, if Potter put anything else on that list, uh, it was a bad, bad day at the office for Solly March. Um, speaking of Dan Byrne on the left side of that defence, uh, I've seen a lot of consensus on the old social medias um, that he is probably the poorest of the three at the back uh, and a weak link. Um, I thought he was actually pretty good today. Uh, he led the way in tackles with five. Next best was two. Um, he led the way in clearances with three. Um, and only Webster had more interceptions than him uh, in the entire team. So I think that that centre-half role um, for Burns suits him far more than playing out wide at a left-back position. Uh, he is not a left-back. That three at the back definitely suits Burn far better. Um, and I thought it showed it today. Um, my dual man of the match, though. Um, first of all, first first man of the match was Montoya. Um, I thought he did well against a duo of Madison and Chilwell going down that left-hand side. You know, they're about as dangerous as it gets in the Premier League currently. Um, and he looked far more at home playing win-back uh, than his last few games playing straight up right-back. Uh, two tackles, an interception, a clearance, and a shot. Um, he contributed at both ends, uh, caused issues for Leicester pretty much everywhere. Um, he was always a, an open option uh, on the right-hand side and cut in once or twice and caused some problems. Um, you know, he's not the world's best right-back, but I thought, I thought he had a really good game yesterday. Um, and my second man of the match, of course, goes to Matty Ryan. Uh, the decisiveness on some of his uh, some of his saves was just fantastic. The way he came out so fast um, to a couple of those breaks with Montoya, with uh, Montoya, with Perez, with Vardy, um, I thought he was incredibly impressive. Uh, I thought he saved a penalty, you know, um, against one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, he was unfortunate that he didn't get his rewards for that. Uh, I think that was a terrible decision from the referee, but it is what it is. Um, and you know, I thought I thought he pretty much handled himself as well as it gets, right? Um, so that's about it for the Leicester game. Uh, it was tough to take. I thought we were good enough uh, for a point in that second half. Uh, but from the first half, you know, we were lucky to go in at nil-nil. And this is this is the second of the four. It doesn't get any easier um, because next up comes Liverpool. So, uh, so people, if you thought the last two were brutal, uh, playing good sides, just starting to catch their stride or in mid-stride, um, just wait until next weekend. <laughs> um, Liverpool, Anfield, danger. We have to expect a beat in there. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, how, you know, and that's probably going to come across as negative, maybe. Um, but how do we get anything against a side unbeaten in the league uh, at their own place? Uh, Manchester City have visited Anfield. Tottenham Hotspur have visited, Ant visited Anfield. Leicester City have visited Anfield um, in recent weeks. And every single one of them left with zero points. Um, this should present a much lesser, lesser of a test uh, for Liverpool at home. Um, so you never know. A miracle could happen. Um, it's not like Potter hasn't done it before, right? He's done it before in, um, in the Champions League or whatever league it was with uh, Ostersons. Um, he's done it with Man with Swansea, um, and he is learning the Premier League as he goes here, and you can see he is. Um, we can see that he can adapt and learn quickly. Uh, he's already altered his mindset when playing a top six side uh, from one week to the next with United, with Leicester. Um, I don't expect us to set ourselves out naively. Uh, I don't think we'll end up, you know, shipping six or seven, um, but their home record is terrifying. Uh, they have played six, scored 17, with an average of 18.7 shots per game and 55% possession. They are unbeaten at home. Um, I believe, although I haven't checked into this stat, uh, I believe they're like 35 games unbeaten at home. Um, but for this season, at the very least, definitely can say that they're unbeaten at home. Um, 
you know, their style of play, you should be aware of what Liverpool do by now. Um, they stifle teams with that trademark high press. Um, they're good in the air. They're good on the ground. Um, they're great out wide. They're good play- They're good enough playing through the centre. Um, this is a side that, make no mistake, barring a disaster, um, will be the Premier League champions in six months' time. Um, you know, if we're going to set up for anything, uh, I think we obviously need to go three at the back, 100%. Uh, I think that is clearly um, the way to go, especially with dunk back. Um, I'd take out Duffy. Uh, as simply speaking, I, t- I just think he's the slowest of the three. Um, and, you know, we're going to need whatever pace we can get uh, when we have Firmino, Salah, Mane... <laughs> Uh, breaking on us, uh, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, it's it's going to be brutal. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my entire. Like my team would be Ryan uh, Montoya at right wing back, uh, Webster, Duffy, Bur- Webster, Dunk, Burn, Solly March at left wing back. Uh, I would then pop in the usual two in the middle uh, of Proper and Stevens, and then I would replace Gross uh, with Moy, um, and that would be about it for me. Uh, I think that would be pretty much as good as it gets um one last thing i thought trossard looked uh unfit i don't think he looked quite up up to match fitness this weekend um so hopefully getting 90 minutes under his belt will be will be a boost for him and really get him get him going um so i thought trossard looked uh off the pace so we do have another where are they now segment um so that is coming up next and then obviously the end of the podcast. So um, before we move on to that Where Are They Now segment, um, just wanted to pay respect to uh, the power chair footballer, um, only 20 years old. Uh, Lewis Hammonds uh, passed away early Tuesday morning uh, at the age of 20. Um, you know, he uh, Albion have done a lot for the Albion in the community, rather. Um, I've done a lot for the, the, you know, the disabled people around the Albion. Um, and I believe he actually started, but yes, here you go. I've got the article. Um, started playing for the Albion uh, power chair football team at the age of 11. Um, he went on to become one of the country's top players, uh, helped establish Brighton and Ove Albion power chair FC. Uh, he was a permanent fixture uh, as a permanent fixture in the muscular dystrophy UK premiership. Um, you know, he banged in about, I think it was 170 goals, more than 170 goals um, for the team. Uh, he was a regular at the top of the international scoring charts. Um, he'd been tipped for future international honours in a power chair football. Uh, he's already represented his country. Uh, he missed out on qualifying for the 2016 Paralympics by just one place. Uh, season ticket holder for the Albion. You know, it's just a sad day when someone so young and so talented uh leaves us so you know just have him in your thoughts have the family in your thoughts uh and you know he will be sorely missed i'm sure by everybody with the albion um so yeah thoughts go out to them at this time um never easy so yeah moving on final final segment uh, the where are they now segment so you asked for the spanish flair um and we can only provide what you ask so this week um we are covering david rodriguez uh wonder if you'll remember that name uh striker that came in um at the beginning of chris hewton's tenure actually um for six months we then have uh, david lopez spanish dave one of the greatest daves to ever grace the uh the albion turf and then of course court hero um and scorer of bangers uh francisco sandaza um so we'll move on Here is the Where Are They Now segment. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week to uh, dissect the corpse that is uh, post-Liverpool Brighton and Ove Albion. (laughs) Have a good week, everybody, and be safe. So, probably the the most hotly anticipated episode, I'd imagine. I feel like it should be, um, because we have we have three of them today. Uh, the, the people spoke, and they voted for Spanish flair, so we're giving them Spanish flair. Um, yep. So we... we but for now, uh, we just have the three, and we have gone for some absolute blinders. <laughs> we have. We have. So who would you like to start with? I think 
we've got to start with Francisco Sandaza, really. Um, Entirely for two for two reasons. One, chronologically, which is a fair enough yep. start. And two, because he's a bit of a character. Um, he really is. I don't think we saw much of it when he was with us during his brief stint with us. But since he was with us, he's, uh, he's had a few run-ins, shall we say. That Especially up in <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll get to that. Um when I've been reading about it, I think I, without spoiling it too much for, for what's to come, I think I remember um, a couple of the incidents, but for whatever reason, they've just been pushed out of my brain. But yeah, incredible. So yeah, he's, he's a good place to start, I think. So looking at the start, he was born in Toledo in Spain. Um, and he was he started actually, I believe he came up through Toledo for a couple of games before going to Valencia B. Um which is a whole other thing. The way that they use their B teams is really interesting, but uh, we won't dwell on that too much. 36 no. appearances, 23 goals for Valencia, I guess. Uh, the B yeah, team. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good hit rate. I mean, I say I'm, I'm not an expert enough to know what sort of standard that is, but I still, you know, imagine it's not awful. So it's a pretty good, right. it's a pretty good hit rate. Exactly. Um, and then went on to play for Dundee United. Uh, from the from the realms of Valencia B uh, to Dundee was quite the quite the decision in the first place. It already speaks to the flair this man possesses. Yeah, I mean that smacks of a football manager signing, doesn't it? Like, it really, it really does. <laughs> you can imagine someone, the Dundee United manager, has gone on there at the end of you know at the end of the season. He's thought, I need to find a gem from Europe somewhere, and he's thought we're not a big enough club to be able to go and look at like first team players at you know in La Liga or the the division downs. So he's reckon I'm gonna spend a good couple of hours having a peruse of all of the B teams and I'm gonna find someone who's out of contract. And I reckon that's how he's hit on him. It's just classic. Yeah. Francisco Sandaza was the man that he found. Uh, he actually did pretty good over there. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. got the same stats I got, but thirty eight games, eleven goals. Which ain't yeah, bad not bad. Play. And I'm guessing yeah that was SPL, wasn't it? So, I mean yeah. Any any yep. jokes aside about the standard of Scottish football, I mean that is a a very respectable division to be playing in, and obviously scoring goals for a team who, you know, aren't one of the big hitters in the league. So, pretty good, pretty good record. Yeah, and apparently he earned a nickname over there. Did you see this? Um, I saw it on BBC, and then I saw it on Wikipedia too. Did you see what nickname he earned over at Dundee? I didn't come across that actually. He earned the nickname Braveheart. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> Any Probably with reason? his hair. Uh, no, not that I've been able to find, but he does have some good hair on him back in the day. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe that was it. But that's pretty random, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he spends what a couple of seasons there, and then he rocks up at the Albion in the summer of 2010. Yes, as far as I can see, which would have been the start of Gus's first full season in charge and obviously the promotion championship well you know, division winning season yeah exactly so the he, sum, the sum he up before up. the greatest season ever yeah so he uh he signs a one-year contract um some fairly glowing praise from gus i was reading in the article on the bbc website from uh he signs on the 1st of september 2010 so again deadline day i'm guessing yeah much so he was only released by Dundee United the week before, according to the article, and then he's come straight to us. Oh, he said he cancelled his own contract with Dundee. Yeah, it looks like you also article, went on yeah. trial at Swansea as well. Yeah, so he said here... I've seen that on the BBC as well. Yeah, so he said that um, Gus called him, and uh, yeah, some clubs wanted him on trial, but he wanted to have a coach who had confidence in him. So yeah, rocks up, signs for, for us. Gus says, uh, kept an eye on him, we'll try and make him fitter. So he's obviously arrived not in, uh, in tip-top shape. But yeah, <laughs> so he arrives, signs, signs that one-year deal, and the first, the first memory that I've got of him specifically, which is probably the same memory that everyone else has, is scoring that winning goal against Oldham that put us yep. top of the league for the first time. And um, that was uh, where we stayed. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, obviously notably scoring from about four millimeters out um, and running off, tearing off his shirt as if he'd just scored the best goal of all time. 
Is what it I was remember. also worth noting. Yeah, it was worth noting. I actually watched the goal back this morning. Um, it's mm. worth noting that from four inches out, like you said, he actually managed to hit the roof of the net. Yeah, so, yeah, that was the other thing. <laughs> no, didn't didn't hold anything back. But yeah, it was a very weird celebration. Um, considering, obviously, you know the magnitude of the goal. You know, obviously, it was an important goal. It was a it was a, a late winner. Um, but yeah, really, the celebration didn't match the <laughs> the quality the of the, <laughs> the quality of the goal. Really. Um, so so yeah, he went that, on to make nineteen appearances for us in the end. Scored four. Yeah. I mean, he was unlucky in that, obviously, Ashley Barnes and Glenn Murray were both scoring bucket loads of goals. Exactly. And we then brought in Chris Wood as well, I suppose, who then started scoring goals. But, I mean, Gus must have, there must have been some reason that Chris, you know, that we brought in Chris Wood as opposed to giving Franz Sandaza a crack. So, they obviously made the decision that he, he wasn't going to be regularly good enough to, um, you know, to help us keep up the pace that we needed to to keep top of the league yeah i think it was I, I always like because this is obviously not too long ago so the memory is a bit fresher for this sort of stuff and i feel like it was always a case of like when we signed him we thought he was like a bigger lad and he may well be like the glenn murray backup um yeah. but he was he was never like big enough he was always pretty like gangly as yeah opposed to the strength. i agree with and you chris wood obviously was the same build as murray yeah um agreed agreed but he only so, lasted yeah, a year. Yeah, so he departs. And I mean, I guess he, he's another player that maybe if we hadn't gone up, they might have kept him on for another year, I suppose. But obviously, based on what I saw of him, I can't imagine him being as effective in the championship. As Not we discussed, you know, pretty gangly, didn't really, didn't necessarily, he wasn't quick enough, um, nor was he strong enough to really play either of, either of those different roles up front. Agreed. He was released with five other players at the end of that year. Did you see who they were? At a guess, I would say... Who was the Bulgarian we had? Kishashev? Yes. I guess would be one of them. Yep. Um, oh, obviously Baz and Batipiedi, who we've talked about. Yep, our friends from Argentina. They left. Uh, obviously Sandaza, so that's four. Gary Hart went, yep. I think. Uh, I don't know who the I can't I can't think about who the other one would have been. He is the man that will absolutely be on one of our non-league heroes episodes. Oh, Chris Holroyd. Chris Holroyd. Yeah. Yeah, it's really random. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so yeah, so he goes at the end of that year, and where does he go? He goes to does he go to Scotland? No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He goes. Yeah, back to yeah, Scotland, he goes back he? to Scotland. He goes to St Johnston. Yeah. Yes. Um, one year deal there. Where and this is another one. His hit rate there is really good. So four, yeah, one score, in two, pretty much. I think it, at the beginning it was like twelve. Yeah, here you go. Twelve goals in his first seventeen games for St Johnston. Yeah, and then Rangers swoop in and um, yep. uh, and try and sign him. He rejects them at this point, um, which was probably a good idea as they're about to go into administration at this point. Um, so then he leaves St. Johnson after one season. Yep. I wonder why. Probably just thinks that he's um, better than than that. Yeah, it may be another one of those agent issues, you know, that yeah, we've been talking probably. about on a couple of the others. So then having had all this random stuff with Rangers, he then actually goes to sign for them in that pre-season. I guess they've come out of administration, haven't they? And they've gone down into the third they've gone down into the third division i think yeah that's exactly right so, yeah. yeah he um so he, he rocks went on up there. three year deal yeah played made his debut in front of fi- nearly fifty thousand at ibrox weird yeah <laughs> very, very bizarre isn't it considering he was playing in front of whatever five six thousand at withdean to then go and play at one of the you know fairly iconic stadiums in europe i suppose yeah, he did pretty well there as well at the beginning yeah. uh, in that league. But, I mean, it's a bit hard not to do well. I think they... Uh, here we go. Yeah, when yeah, you're Rangers, yeah, when you're Rangers in, the, in the third division, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, not to be not to be pretty good. But, yeah, his record... Well, his record is two goals in 14 games. So, maybe not yeah. as... Uh, but he just said... He, uh, re- I was reading and um, he did get injured fairly... About a couple of months after joining, he got a fractured cheekbone. 
after going up for a header with someone. Um, and he was ruled out for eight weeks. So in September, so that takes him to kind of the end of the end of the calendar year. Yep. And that is the that is the the entry point for one of the most bizarre <laughs> one of the most <laughs> bizarre things I've read about. Which um, for listeners, the telephone who, hoax. <laughs> yeah, for listeners who probably don't remember this or might not have read it at the time, um, a Celtic fan somehow manages to get hold of Sandaza's number and rings him up and claims to be um, a football agent who's based in America and is basically touting various opportunities and offers from the MLS in the direction of Sandaza. And uh, Sandaza is, uh, is pretty gullible in the situation and is very quick to divulge exactly what he is paid at Rangers pretty much intonates that he's only really at ranges for the money and he'd be quite happy to go somewhere else for a bit more money, particularly to America. Um, so yeah, obviously it all turned out to be a hoax. It was a Celtic fan and the horrible kicker was that the Celtic fan was broadcasting this call uh, on the internet <laughs> for people to be able to listen to. So there was no real, um, you didn't really have a chance of denying <laughs> that it happened. So he kind of had him, uh, it was a fairly long conversation. I mean, I haven't listened to it, but from reading about it, it was a kind of 20 or 25 minute conversation. So there's no real, uh, there's no real get out from that. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. And that was it for him. Um, yeah. So he then gets suspended, doesn't he? Yeah. He gets suspended by Rangers and eventually gets released um, at the end of that year. Briefly, he thinks about suing them for breach of contract. I think he did. Um, didn't he? And then dropped it. Yeah, then drops it because I'd imagine someone told him that his case was not particularly strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he leaves and then he goes back to Spain um, via a trial in Romania. Yes, uh, petrol contra. Yeah, so goes there, doesn't get a contract, goes off back to Spain and signs for Lugo. Um, yes, and that was in. Uh, I think they're in the second division, right? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, and again, he suffers an injury partway into the season, suffers a muscle injury, a sprained ankle and a muscle tear during the season. So he didn't yeah, have much luck. Lad. Makes 27 appearances and scores five goals. And then after the end of the season, it's announced that he's leaving there. Yep. Uh, he then leaves to go to Girona, who at that point, I don't think were in... Obviously, they're, in, they're a team which is recently come up to La Liga haven't they because we had a friendly yes. against them a few couple of summers ago I think just, yeah I think we did when we got promoted to the Premier League and they'd just been promoted to La Liga I think was that kind of chronology sense. of it but yeah anyway so he rocks up at Girona um, and scores 16 a better goals time in, there. yeah 16 goals in 42 which is pretty good isn't it yeah it's um, not bad at all Oh, he actually again, scored. Uh, he also scored against his old club Lugo. Oh yeah, I noticed that as well. So I mean, yeah, this must have been second. They must have been in the second tier. But yeah, say decent level, isn't it? Again, he's uh, he's made himself a decent career at that level, and then very randomly goes off to a J League side, FC Tokyo. Yeah, which is a bit of a random move after this one year at Girona. I feel um, like a lot of these players do random stuff like this. Yeah, so he goes off to there and he makes a whopping eight appearances and doesn't score any goals. Um, so obviously it's not a, not a move that's gone very well. He then comes back to Girona on a two-year contract um, and gets loaned out to Al-Hali, Al who I imagine must be in the UAE somewhere. Uh, they are uh, does... Saudi Arabian side, I believe. There you go. Doesn't make any appearances for them at all, by the looks of it. Um, then comes yeah, he back. Got, he, it was another injury I'd read somewhere. <laughs> he got hurt again. Doesn't have much luck, does he? No, he's so yeah, uh, so, he's never been the best player, but he does love an injury. Yeah, he does. So yeah, comes back to Girona, then leaves, goes to play it for a club in China. Um. Again, doesn't seem to have worked out very well for him there. Only a short oh. stint, 12 games. Yep, he, he seems uh, to get in Wing there. Dao on the, uh, 
he seems to have got in on the on the Chinese uh, spending spree, though. So I hope he's made a good bunch of money against them. Yeah, you'd hope so. But yeah, he's not for not there for very long, and then comes back to Spain and signs for Alcason, where it looks yes. like he still is there now, as far as I can tell. December 2018, he signs a two and a half year contract. So yeah, he's got another. He's got this is his fight. So he's been there for a year and a half. So yeah, he's got a, another year to run. Yep, he's there, number 21, still playing for them. There he is. There he is. So, no yeah, that's, um, that is, <laughs> that's Fran Sandaza. The only other thing that's worth noting um, is that he, he, he is another one who has not had the best driving career. Um, I see that when he was in Scotland, he was arrested for drink driving. He was twice the legal limit and he was caught driving the wrong way down a one-way street. <laughs> After initially letting him go, police became concerned about the way he drove off and pulled him over for a breathalyzer test. He got a 16-month ban from driving. Yeah, I see that. There's been a few of those connected to the Albion, haven't there, recently? Yeah, I think I just, guy, it just amazes me how many, um, how many footballers love a driving ban. Yeah, we've had loads. Basuma's got one at the moment, very recently. Yep. He got a driving ban. Knockart had something, didn't he, as well? Yep. Um, for a driving ban. We've had, what was the guy, the Chilean guy we had on loan who got done for drink driving as well? Oh, Gonzalo Hara. Yeah. Yeah, he got done. So, yeah, <laughs> we, love a, we love a bit of driving and driving badly. So, yeah, anyway, that's the end of, um, of Sandaza. A character. Colourful character. But another one who played his part in that, in that great season under Gus. So, he did. for the memories. And... Yeah, he, he didn't score many, but, you know, we both remember that Oldham goal so well. So he's going to have yeah. something going for him. <laughs> and he created, you know, so he helped create that momentum, you know, got us top of the league and, you know, played an important part. So moving on, uh, I think we should hit David Rodriguez next. Agreed. Because um, he's a shorter agreed. one. Yeah, no, he is. He was only with us for, what, six months? Yes. So he's another one that's come through the B team route this time with atletico madrid yeah because he was a january signing right yeah he was a january signing and i'm guessing this is very early days of chris hewton isn't it oh january 2014 it may well have been because was it the end of hmm let me check i think this is i'm pretty sure that we should know this, given this is fairly recent history. Um, yes, I'm going to look up the... I'm looking up... Oh, it's not found. Great. I was just looking up the source of the article. Yep, it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this, so this is very early Hewton day. So, obviously, we're in trouble. We've just had the hippier reign that we're not going to dwell on. Yeah. Nathan Jones has come <laughs> in, given us, a bit of a, given us a bit of a kick and got us moving. And he comes in and signs on deadline day. And I think he signed... For he free. wasn't the only person. Yeah, he, signed, he wasn't the only person that signed on that day. I don't think um, it would have been a classic deadline day. There must have been a couple of others that signed. Anyway, so he signs, and to be quite frank, very unremarkable. As a yeah, state. he really was. He just was unremarkable to watch as well. Yeah, and you. I don't know. I got the feeling that he was clearly a better player than we were getting the chance to see. I don't know whether, I mean, this is the first time that he's played outside Spain when he rocks up to us. So I yep. don't know whether there was an element of homesickness or not getting the climate or, you know, something else at play that meant that we didn't get to see the best of him because his heart just didn't really seem to be in it Agreed. as much as anything his, else. His record prior to us was pretty good. Like he'd, he'd yeah. got 14 goals in 38 at Salamanca. He'd got... Yeah. Uh, He'd made just over 100 appearances for Celta, Celta Vigo, and he'd got like, yeah. over 35 goals for them there. So, like, yeah. he, uh, he had that. He had something, clearly. Yeah, clearly, at a decent level. And so, I think, without knowing the ins and outs of it, I would imagine that it's just, it didn't, you know, wasn't the move that he hoped it would be or we hoped it would be. Um, you wonder whether, given it was a deadline day signing, whether it was a bit one of these rushed ones that we haven't necessarily given the you know, haven't really given enough thought and scouting and background stuff into it. I know that obviously in the, in the fairly recent past, we 
there's been a lot said about you know how in depth they go in terms of trying to find the right characters for the squad, you know, as well as being good enough. Yes. So you wonder whether this was just a, a bit of a rush. You know, we needed a striker. He was available, and it's deadline day, and we can get it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he he only ended up scoring one goal for us in the end. I see, ten yeah. appearances, one goal. Um, and it really like you know it, it stands to reason that something is missing. Like you said, maybe it was homesickness because his his career after us has really been yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so he went off to Alcasson, where um, Sandaza was, or is now, I should yes. say. Um, and yeah, scores over 50 goals for them. So goes straight back in to Spain and starts scoring goals immediately, including his first career hat-trick, I noted. So, you know, he seems to shrug off the disappointment of us fairly quickly and off he goes. So one of those ones, you know, chalk it up to uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained, really. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've seen a couple of interviews with him where he said that uh, he was happy to be home. He was happy to be in Madrid. Um, so I think you're, I think you're probably spot on that he just England wasn't what he wanted it to be. Um, yeah. So I'm so glad he did are. well. You know, yeah, and so three appearances for our course. He's at Racing Santander now, as far as I can. He see. is. Yeah, five appearances, one goal already this season. And so are they in the? Are they in the sec- are they in La Liga or are they in the second tier? Uh, they are in the Segunda, yeah. They're the second right. division. But yeah, I say he's again he's gone on to have a fairly decent career, so good luck to him. I've got no ill feeling towards him at all. Just, you know, one of those that didn't work. Agreed. One hundred percent. The final man of the week. Yes. And a man Spanish that uh, yeah, the man who who played Two beautiful passes against Leicester in that video. Yeah, I that, that was afternoon. really good. I mean, that's oh, quite that timely given. Yeah, that's just a ridiculous pass. Um, but obviously timely given that our opponents on Saturday are Leicester. So that's a nice little nice little link in. But I mean, Spanish Dave is a player that even if you just take his Palace free kick, I mean, that, that enough is enough of a contribution to Agreed. be remembered <laughs> in, uh, in illustrious terms. But and he not did so much that, more but... than that. And he also came from uh, a much better pedigree than uh, than the previous the previous Spanish yeah, players we've just absolutely. been talking about. My goodness, um, he yeah. came from. So he started in the B teams as most do with Osasuna, and then went yeah. on to make seventy eight appearances for Osasuna's main team, um, yeah. eleven goals. And then his big one, which is kind of how on earth did he ever come to us in the Championship uh, or League One? Even uh, was. 2007 to 2012, he was a mainstay for Athletic Bilbao. Yeah, crazy, unreal. And they pay, <laughs> they they signed him for six million euros. Yeah, in 2007. So I mean, say, really good pedigree, really good pedigree. And he leaves, he gets uh, he gets marginalised when when uh, Marcelo Bielsa takes over at Athletic Athletic Bilbao. Um, so yeah, then he comes in, gets released by. Um, Gets released by Bill Bow and rocks up at uh, at the Albion. Yeah, Gus was very happy about it from the looks of it. Yeah. He was a deadline day signing as well. Uh, he's technically very gifted and has great ability. Right side in midfielder gives us another option. Um, ultimately, going to bring quality to the squad and a different attacking midfield option. And boy, did he! He really did. I mean, he was just quality all over. Just his range of passing was astounding as we've talked about those Leicester ones you know that perfect cross for that first goal for for Barnes and then his through ball for Conway second one was just outrageous kind of thing that we've got used to Lewis Dunk doing over the last (laughs) couple of years but you know for fans who who can't remember that game you know I would advise you to go and have a look at um, Brighton three Leicester one from from 2012, it would have been, I suppose, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I believe that was the uh, the year we did the double on them when they went up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they won the league that was it. Yeah, that uh, that year. So yeah, I'd go and advise, have a look at those, just remind yourself what his range of passing was like. But again, you know, very skillful. Um, one of those players that you knew had played at a much higher level. His ability to find space when seemingly there shouldn't have been any space was excellent. Could really finish. I remember a goal he scored up at Middlesbrough, where it's just a little dink over the keeper that generally see a lot of players get it horribly wrong. Obviously, the free kick against against Palace. So again, 
great memories of him, and he just seemed to be a smashing bloke as well, really. From you know, from what we can uh, what we can read and see, and obviously probably helped by the fact that we had you know the Spanish contingent there at the time that he could you know kind of just ingratiate himself into the club. But great player, yeah. I mean, I think that I think that was an important piece of it too, because that really was at the height of our Spanish group coming in with Calderon, Bruno, Lopez, David Rodriguez for a point even. Um, I mean, because yeah, I think Spanish Lopez speaking, was with him for a while. as well. I mean, yep. Like, so I mean, it was it was a good time. I imagine it worked well for him. But yeah, I mean, just a legend, isn't he? Really, he really is. Um, and he's. Uh, it looks like he's actually still playing at the age of thirty-seven. And given the kind of player he was, he was kind of a he was kind of a David Silver-esque time type. Yeah, of player. he didn't really need his pace, was it? His pace wasn't really part of his game. So I'd imagine he's still. Know, still uh, still doing doing his thing yeah he went on from us to go to lugo which seems to be a uh, bit of a bit of a, a bit, yeah halfway here. house <laughs> <laughs> uh, halfway house for albion players to get back into some sort of normality seriously 67 appearances for them so you know he was doing well there and then kind of just mooched around spain for a little bit huesca mercia novelda intercity yeah don't blame him i mean that's the last few years we're talking 2016 onwards so yeah i mean he's kind of 34 35 so he's beginning to wind down slightly um but i mean yeah great great player great player i mean that the ridiculous yeah it really was and i'll find, try and find a video and retweet it to the to the account because it was just outrageous he's I mean, currently the playing in the fourth division now in spain well it's not i mean at 37 to still be at 37 uh, yeah <laughs> yeah he's he's ticking over so again great player he's another one we should try and get on at some point because i'm sure he'd probably be be um quite amenable to it i do follow him on instagram he's quite yeah. active on instagram so yeah reach out get in his dm see if we can uh, slide into Spanish Days DMs and see what we get. That would be wonderful. What a player. He also played, uh, I saw he also scored a goal um, against Burnley, was one of the ones that we scored um, to keep us in the playoff hunt. And uh, our keeper keeper also uh, saved, made one of the saves of the season, that that game. Um, And his name was Thomas Kushak. Remember Kushak? Oh yes, of course, yeah was a bloody good player forgotten man yeah very good he was another quality signing at the time he's got to be he's another one totally forgotten our we've got to do a goalkeepers one we've had a bunch of we crazy do. goalkeepers kushak brezavan casper ankergren would be the three that would jump out casper, I mean, uh, some... casper has the most has to be the most hated goalkeeper in league one history <laughs> yeah, it was just. Uh, we, I mean, obviously, we've talked about already. We need to do Rami Sharban as well because that's just a ludicrous Agreed. one. That is a ludicrous. And also got Shanyo, who we missed out. We got to do plenty of goalkeepers. But yeah, good. But that pretty much wraps us up for our uh, excellent Spanish contingent version one. Um, excellent. Good work. And yeah, getting getting nice. old uh, Spanish days DMs. Yeah, I'll we'll see. He's, he's pretty active. We'll see what happens. So we'll, uh, we'll give him it a go. All right. Nice one. Yeah, ace. Perfect, mate. Speak to you soon. Yeah. See you later, dude.